Jedi, I think that's episode number 12 or 13 or something like that. We've got Kim, as always. Hi, Kim. And we've got Daniel Hi. R on his first podcast. And uh, I'm really excited to talk today to Daniel because he's been somewhat of a premises over the years. Every time we roll, it's intense but fun. He always brings his A-game. And, you know, I think I have a size advantage, but he's definitely got a skill advantage. So, um, yeah, welcome, Daniel. Morning, Anton. Morning, Kim. Morning. Cool. So, yeah, I, would, um, I would second that, Anton. It's very, um, it, it's always a good fun role for me with Dan as well. And also very good uh, as a smaller female to have another similar size training partner. So it's always great. great yeah, I agree partner. with that. He doesn't really, I'm sorry to talk about you like you're not here, Daniel. In fact, I won't. <laughs> Daniel, what I like about you is that you do really emphasize excellent technique, you know, and it's, it's hard to find, like you've got this intensity. In fact, if I just may share a quick story, my favorite memory of you is we had a Christmas party once, a work Christmas party, and we decided to put on a jujitsu exhibition match. We had Santa fighting the Grinch and we had reindeers fighting each other. And Daniel and Yunbin were a reindeer each. And this was, I don't know. I remember that. Ago. Yes. It was crazy. About five years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. And Daniel, I remember this, this visual I have. Is Daniel after the match, like he, he, he did lose to Yunbin, which is, you know, easy to do. It was a very close match. It was very technical. And at the end, there was this reindeer, like he was sitting there with his reindeer nose on, breaking down, like disappointed in himself, working out what he could have done better to, to win that match. And I'll never forget it because it's just like, for me, it's like you're always going to look for what you could have done better. But um, yeah, what, how, how did you get started in Jiu-Jitsu, Daniel? What, what got you into it? Um, uh, well, I've kind of always been interested in martial arts, like since I was um, 16. Um, uh, I'll, um, like I did, um, like I competed in Taekwondo when I, when I was like in high school. Um, that, didn't, that didn't last long. Um, uh, but always through the grapevine, I had always heard of um, the UFC. Uh, so the UFC, um, got, the uh, UFC got you into jiu-jitsu like all of us pretty much. Well, uh, but, uh, yeah. but ironically, um, it wasn't um, uh, Hoist um, uh, killing it at, um, at UFC 1. It was actually um, Frank Mir knee-barring um, Brock Lesnar that, re- wow. that really um, uh, like opened my eyes. Simply uh, because like, um, even like back then, um, Brock was like a big um, WWE star and um, uh, even a lot it must even though like a lot of us in my circle didn't really watch um either ufc or wwe like it, it was just like a, a big name um and mm. it was just it was just cool cool to see like yeah. um like frank um being uh uh at rest um like dominated really and getting yes, um and catching a flush knee bar i get the very yeah, nice. now, um yeah. Yeah, so was that, yeah. how old were you when that happened? Like when Brock Lesnar was being knee barred? Like, were you, because I don't know how old you are even. You're like, time. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I actually just turned 30 um, uh, on Saturday. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, yes. thank you. What a time to have a birthday, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was probably like, like 17, 18. It was, I think, 2008. Yep. Um, and 
uh, I was also doing Wing Chun at the, um, at the time. I'm trying something new, and the Sifu um, son um, uh, dabbled in Sambo, um, kind of like on the side, and like he was teaching us like really rudimentary um, like MMA groundwork, like how to do a rudimentary sprawl, um, a really rudimentary double leg, and then uh, and a, a close guard uh, break from your knees, um, and really like. Um, like raw stuff um uh, back in the day but um i just thought it was, bit, it was the most fun ever but i couldn't i didn't really um like continue that um uh because i didn't i couldn't justify paying two sets of fees at the time okay yeah, yeah go on there you go yeah and uh life um took uh, took me overseas um uh um i start i started um uh, well, for a year, I, I moved to Penang, Malaysia, where I dabbled in a bit of judo, and and that was my first taste of like gi and grip fighting. And yeah, um, um, I I hate I even back then I actually hated um grip fighting, and <laughs> it didn't help that that was it didn't help that I was getting, getting like um like slammed over and over again. Yeah. Um. Then um uh, a, a year later um around two thousand nine um I moved to um Dublin um um Ireland um and wow. stayed stayed there for um about two uh, two three years um uh di um did a uh, did a biomed degree it there um mm. uh I was I was actually pla um uh, planning on becoming a med student um uh, but that didn't materialize. But um, that that kind of explained them um, the sabbatical overseas. Ah, so you, so 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 you planned to be a doctor? Was that your was that your goal? That was my original goal. Um, okay. And and funny enough, um, uh, it's um the um the time to um get to like dabble in jiu-jitsu um uh, came from when I failed second year. Um, uh, I've I'd failed a fair few subjects, but um. Uh, wasn't enough there wasn't enough to like repeat the the whole year per se so um i had like but um a lot of subjects were only offered in a single semester so i had like a good chunk of time so i just started like going to um i, I found um a, uh, a local um gym in the, in the city in dublin city center and it was an svg affiliate um and i just started like um going there as much as i could Got it. And then one thing led to another, and here you are as a brown belt today in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And what would you say is, you know, your journey, what would you say has been the hard? I mean, obviously, okay, so, like it really rings out to me. So you're obviously very intelligent, and yet you failed, you know, you failed some subjects and, and, and ultimately stopped studying. Like what what is it in your kind of journey that has, like, were you just not focused? Were you more interested in something else? Um, well, actually, oh, well, I actually never stopped studying. Um, uh, but um, by then, um, uh, uh, I was actually in um, a twinning program. Um, I, um, I actually wasn't a student. Um, yeah, I should have cleared that up. Um, uh, so I, so I kind of just took the year off and uh, came back in the next year. Yeah. Um, well. Uh, I should preface what I'm doing. Um, the what I'm doing now. Um, uh, what, uh, I came. I came back to Melbourne in 2015 and started uh, in 20 in late 2014 and started um, an exercise science degree here at Vic Uni 
Uh, and now I'm doing a master's in clinical exercise and rehab. Got it. Interesting. That's actually what my son's studying, exercise science or health science he's studying. So there you go. A nice son. Latrobe? Latrobe, yeah, my older son. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe we can chat offline after this about uh, some of your other stuff. Which son? son? My older son, Kane. Yeah, my 19, nearly 20-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, so let's, yeah. Let's uh, let's uh, stay on the jujitsu topics, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, right, so this conversation will go so all over. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Like, you are a determined human being. You're out there to get, you know, you ultimately get where you want to go. But to get to brown belt is no mean feat. And um, you know, what advice would you give to people? Because I was just talking to you about this offline before we started. But you're, you know, you're dealing with some some like physical stuff. You know, like as far as you're talking about lower back um, and some other bits and pieces, like it's, you know, it's, it's not as easy to throw down at full steam as it was five years ago, is it? Is that what you were saying to me before? Uh, def, def, definitely, definitely. Um, uh, so um, I think um, the, leading, the leading question is um, uh, how do you stay on track or um, uh, what advice would I give them to an absolute beginner who's like... Um, uh, who sees this um, strange world of um, of uh, intense fighting yeah. um, and, and fall on like ground wrestling? Um, I think uh, well, to, uh, to, to me, um, I've I just fell in love with the with the intellectual side of um, of um, jiu-jitsu, um, the creativity and kind of like um, the, t- uh, the technique focus, um, and uh, and I I can't I can't really give um. Uh, advice because my mo- motivations are like intrinsic per se. Um, that's um, I generally find um, this find due to um, uh, a stimulating and fun activity, and I think that's um, and for uh, for some people uh, starting out, um, it's it's probably just long term um, uh, t- like repertoire technique um, and be just being beaten beat on um. Uh, uh, um, every day um, amongst high, um, high belts who just want to beat you up. Um, I don't think that's um, uh, that's good for long-term progress as a community. Yeah. Um, so um, actually, um, um, the, um, the, the, adv- the advice I'll give them to, uh, uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, to lower belts is... Um, I guess see the see the beauty of um uh, te- uh, technique and and uh, and um, how it is as an art and a science. Yeah, um, I agree with that. It is uh, tricky though because that's more of like a long term thing. I think like mm-hmm. when you're getting beat up uh, every single day as a smaller blue belt or white belt or whatever and and you don't see that progress i think it can be quite challenging for people to uh you know look at beyond that today's beating means tomorrow i'll be better and then i'll be better yeah. because it's it's just really demoralizing after a while and i probably came from a school that was like you were saying dan like more um just getting beat up all the time uh, until I came to absolute. I didn't really have anyone smaller than me or, or lower ranked than me on a regular basis. Even though I joined as a purple belt, I didn't, I didn't get the opportunity to roll with many white belts ever. 
and certainly nobody smaller than me. So yeah, I think it was really hard to keep going through that. It's pretty challenging to keep that um, tenacity, I guess, when you're the smaller person. Do you have any uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Um, uh, th- thoughts on um, just being uh, just being a small person. Um, uh, um, I feel like I'm in, at a community level. Um, uh, with, uh, with within within a gym, um, it isn't um kind of like taught enough um how to roll, um, which is a skill that um I feel that um hot um that experienced people can't just pick up by themselves, or um they get told off by a um, by by a higher belt. Um, I can, uh, I'm probably not answering your question, uh, but um, yeah, well, just. Well, I think I think the, like where Kim's going is, is that true that as a smaller person you can just focus on falling in love with the technique, <clears throat> versus this desire to just actually win some rounds every once in a while? You know what I mean? Like a, when you first well, fall in, it's just surviving. Even yeah, you surviving. can't even survive. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. just getting your cannon fodder yeah, over yeah. and over. It's yeah, it's quite demoralising. Yeah, has that been your experience, Daniel? Like cannon fodder, and I think we experience it. Even I'm not that small. I'm small, but I'm not that small, and I still experience that. So, and always have. There's always someone who can beat the hell out of you in the gym. So you know, but but, but I think the smaller you are, the more people you have, you have to deal with that with. Um, you don't get to the hammer as often. Yeah. Um. Yeah. To um. To an extent. Um. Uh. Which is why um. I feel that um. Uh, gyms that only roll are kind of misguided. Um, uh, at the preface, um, I tra- I mostly train in um, the St Kilda branch. Um, uh, th- yeah. So for those listening, um, the three of us uh, like train at Absolute. Um, and but there are three main branches, and I'm ninety percent of the time in the St Kilda branch. Mm. And um, we actually don't do much rolling per se. Um, uh, most of our training is, is positional um, and kind of like really reverse engineering specific situations. So um, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter if um, um, if you if you lose uh, a, a round. I'm like it's it's great um, that that you do. Um, but um, if you um, fail at, at a position, um, um, the uh, the consequences aren't bad. Um, uh, um, you, you just um, start again. Whereas in like um, a f- a five-minute roll, um, you, you, know, you get your guard passed, and oh my, um, I'm stuck on bottom. Yeah. So, um, uh, so there's still benefits to that too, though. Like in terms of having to, uh, you know, fight your way out of there and then get back to a better position. And I think it, it still helps your game long term to do that rolling. But yeah, you're definitely right. It is beneficial to have more uh, positional training. I think. Than just straight out sparring. Overall, and that's something I've noticed um, amongst the three branches over the years. Um, uh, um, like um, coaches and students are kind of slowly warming up to the idea of having more and more um, uh, positional on training. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Agree. Agree. Yeah, would you agree with that answer? Secure a branch. I think that it's really good because. Um, yeah, well, well, I mean, they're obviously are breeding a lot of great competitors out of that gym. So whatever they're doing is working well, you know. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you, teaching, yeah. Daniel? Are you teaching a kid's class? Not anymore. Um, uh, I stopped um, in July last year. Um, I was doing that for four years. Um, yeah, help, helping my good mate, Mikhail, um, who's one of our black belts. Um, yeah, um, um, I stopped him um, because uh, um, we were starting placements um, that, uh, that year and yeah, just couldn't uh, fit the time in. Okay. What was your what is it, fond memories of teaching the kids? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, uh, really, just taught me how to communicate and taught me how um, uh, children learn and um, and how um, and how people learn actually. Um, uh, and how different how different age groups learn. Uh, like we. These days for the kids' class, we used to mix them all together when our class was small, but um, now we have a big, a big enough population pool that we can split age groups, five um, to seven, um, and seven um, up, upwards, seven, seven to ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and I feel like at, at that age, um, uh, you, you don't really need to be terribly fastidious with them. Um, technique and detail um, but rather get moving patterns um parents send their kids to them um, to um these classes primarily for um uh, su- uh supposed um discipline and uh okay. and like just to let's let steam out yeah um but some um, skill sets that you teach them are very different um uh set five to seven you're, you're really just trying to uh, trying to herd cats um, uh, um, and teach them like really like rudimentary motor skills, and it's a motor it's a motor learning um, class um, to my mind. Yeah. And seven seven to ten is where um, you can slowly introduce uh, concepts, uh, broad broad concepts, um, and overarching themes um, to jiu-jitsu. And then um, twelve, I find that ages 12 and up, you can really teach them, you can treat them like adults. They have um, like the maturity to, uh, to extrapolate technique. And the attention span too, yeah? That's the biggest challenge with the kids. Oh, oh, um, oh, oh yes. Ironically, um, uh, um, I find that um, the five to seven year olds are much better behaved than the seven to 10 year olds. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> You're the five to seven-year-old whisperer. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daniel, I really, really, really appreciate you putting yourself out on a limb. As, I, as we were talking about before, this is the first ever time on a podcast. And, you know, Kim and I definitely are doing this because we want to just be a contribution to BJJ. This started because we were having a weekly phone call and we thought, we might as well start recording these because, you know, maybe we've got something to offer back. And now the fact that you are you know, learning about being on podcast with us and we get to discover about your life and your journey and you're getting to share with us what you've learned. I learned so much for myself today. I really appreciate you coming on. Kim, how do you feel about Daniel being on today? Yeah, agree, agree. And his first video meeting too, I think. So, really? yeah. Wow, we it's all happening. All around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very good. Yeah, it's great. It's great to get different 
people's perspective. So yeah, I can't actually believe how many people are listening to this podcast that are putting their hands up to be on it. I know when Anton suggested this, I was like, are you joking? Like who's actually going to want to, who's even listening in the first place? So but thank you to the people that are, who are out there that are. <laughs> interested in what we've got to say. I know, right? I, I'm, as, I'm as shocked as you are. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> yes, thank you, everyone. Really appreciate it. Uh, right, Daniel, see you on the mat. Uh, be kind to me. Awesome. You yeah, hopefully very oh, soon. Yeah. See you guys. See you next Bye. week, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.